0: Here we go. Jake and Josh are here (laughs) to analyze the game they love for the team they love.
2: This is another Dolphins Podcast.
0: Here's your host, Jake Mendel and
1: Josh Houts. Now we are going to go through some players that We might be missing on the Miami Dolphins this year. There's no debating. A lot of different outlets are coming out and saying the Dolphins, hey, they have a pretty good roster. But that being said, some players were lost in free agency. So we're using today to look at some players who have gone elsewhere this year, who actually they might still be free agents, and seeing the impact they had on the Dolphins and what Miami will be missing. So, gentlemen, I hope you both did your homework. Merrick, let's start with you.
0: You know, my guy is kind of an under-the-radar guy, maybe a guy that not a lot of people are thinking about. And I actually wrote an article about this on uh, the Finnsider this week. But my guy's Brandon Brandon Schell. Uh, right tackle last year for the Miami Dolphins after Austin Jackson went down. He was actually signed uh, to replace Teron Armstead at left tackle uh, before the, the Week 5 game, I believe, against the Jets. Really struggled at left tackle. But then when Teron came back, they moved him to the to the right side at right tackle. And he actually played decently. I'm not going to say he was an all-pro or anything like that, but he, he filled in adequately. Uh, he played. Let's see here. I got this. I got this pulled up here. He only gave up two sacks, and that's in 761 snaps for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, fun fact: even though he he wasn't signed to the Dolphins until Week Five, he actually was the offensive lineman who played the third highest percentage of snaps for the Miami dolphins in the 2022 season. And that's behind Robert hunt and Connor Williams. And actually Connor Williams was the only player to play hundred percent of the snaps on either side of the ball on offense or defense, only player to play hundred percent of the snaps,
1: but, didn't Robert Hunt just miss one game or one snap? I think it was something a little yes. weird like that. Yes,
0: that is ex- <laughs> that is exactly
1: right. Robert Hunt missed one snap. Connor <laughs> Williams
0: did not miss any snaps, which is why he wants the new deal apparently. But so Brandon Shell plays 761 snaps. Uh, I- I'm going to quote pro football focus here. So if our listeners hate PFF, now's the time to, to turn the podcast on and-, and turn on some old wham, uh, greatest hits or something like that. If you watch the Netflix documentary, but PFF, gave Brandon Shell a 64.9 overall grade. That's 51.7 as a pass blocker, but 75.9 as a run blocker for the Miami Dolphins. So uh, if the Dolphins were, were looking to lean into the run a little bit more this year, like Mike McDaniel has said, maybe keeping Brandon Shell might've been a good idea because the guys that they signed to replace Brandon Shell, Isaiah Wynn, from the New England Patriots. Let's take a look at his numbers. He only played 423 snaps for the New England Patriots last year, mostly at right tackle, actually. He gave up four sacks in 423 snaps. Brandon Shell only gave up two sacks, playing nearly double the amount of snaps that Isaiah Wynn gave up. So Isaiah Wynn, according to PFF, had a 54.6 overall grade. So that's a 64.9 for Shell. But a 54.6 for win, 52.8 as a pass blocker, which is actually 1.1 point higher than Brandon Shell, but only 63.2 as a run blocker. So Brandon Shell 75.9. Isaiah Wynn 63.2 as a run blocker. The Dolphins paid Isaiah Wynn $2.3 million this year. Brandon Shell signed with the Buffalo Bills for $1.3 million dollars this year so the Dolphins are actually paying Isaiah Wynn a million dollars more than Brandon Shell got with the Buffalo Bills then you look at the other guy the Dolphins signed on that offensive line truly a right tackle a lot of people will say oh Isaiah Wynn was brought in to compete at left guard and maybe even back up Toronto Armstead at left tackle that's valid I'll give you that look at Cedric Agbuehi he played 286 snaps for the New York Jets last season so a fraction of the snaps that Brandon Shell did. Uh, he gave up just one sack, but again, that's in 286 snaps. PFF gave him an overall grade of 47.7. That's pretty poor. He had 57.0 as a pass blocker, just 41.8 as a run blocker. Dolphins signed him for $1.35 million. That is $0. $0.5 million more than Brandon Shell signed with the Buffalo Bills for. So, in my opinion, you know, and you don't know the backstory. You don't know was Brandon Schell a good teammate? Did he do what the coaches wanted him to do? Did they see a future in him there? Maybe they're 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 banking on a bounce back from Isaiah Wynn and Cedric Ogboy, who are, who are both former first round selections in the league with the Patriots and the and the Bengals, respectively. Uh, but both. Isaiah Wynn and Cedric Ogbohe signed for more money than the Bills signed Brandon Shell for. And Brandon Shell arguably was a better player than either of them if you go by the PFF overall numbers there. Now, again, as pass blockers, both of those guy, guys scored a little bit higher than Brandon Shell did. But again, if Mike McDaniel wants to lean into the run... Brandon Shell was a significantly better run blocker than either of those guys and had overall better, better grades than both of those guys too. So I, I kind of wanted to highlight Brandon Shell there, you know, at the end of the day, you hope Austin Jackson takes that step forward and, and lives up to that first round, you know, draft selection that he was just a few years ago and Mike McDaniel and the, and the rest of the team, they seem to see something in him because they're willing to just literally hand him that starting right tackle spot so you hope at the end of the day it doesn't matter but I'm a little nervous that it might end up mattering when things are said and done this year and I would have preferred a Brandon Shell re-signing over at least a Cedric Ogwehi signing
1: the continuity just seemed like the most obvious thing to me, where it's like you can bring this guy right back. He might not start right away. Uh, Josh, I still remember doing a podcast after he started at left tackle, just with like my hair on fire, saying, why is he over there? He is a right tackle. And, and that, that that's like the biggest thing, the fact they're willing to pay these other guys a little bit more. They're actually all around the same age. I think Isaiah Wynn is a little bit younger, but a, a he and, and Brandon Snell are, are pretty close. And, and I was a big Snell fan. If you go back, man you watch that buffalo game um, in the regular season he is dominant he is a huge part of what made where he most have an awesome game and that goes back to hey miami's rushing game isn't that bad when they decide to use it
2: yeah, I, I wasn't – I'm not an offensive line guru. I don't think any of us are. But I think when we saw Brandon Shell in the game, I mean, he seemed like he could hold his own. He seemed pretty good. So I was a little surprised when he left. Kind of sucks he went to the uh, Buffalo Bills. I mean, we know how this is going to end up, right? He'll be, like, uh, in the Pro Bowl this year. Or he'll be an All-Pro or something like that. I do think that when you look at some of those former first-round picks, like they brought win, a waga, a Wye, <laughs> I, I You'll get I, it. I thought <laughs> I was going to nail that first try. I kind of forgot. Um, But for Said me, yeah. Cedric O for me, I always wonder, you know, how did they think of, like, how do they feel about him pre-draft, right? Like how did Chris Greer and Marvin Allen, those guys in the front office, Reggie McKenzie, what did they think of these guys pre-draft that, you know, maybe they're looking at now like, okay, we can give him a chance. We can bring him in here. Like Isaiah Wynn, he has versatility. Our coaching staff, maybe we can bring out the best of him, bring out that player that we saw with so much potential in the draft. So um, I guess it's something that we just got to wait and see how this all plays out. Um yeah, I think, Right now, right tackle is the biggest question mark for the Dolphins. And the fact that we would be sitting here talking about even Brandon Shell, Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wynn, Cedric O. I mean, I think we're still in a pretty um, pretty bad situation. So, bed. yeah, I, I, I like what Brandon Shell did when he was in there. Um, but, again, if you're relying on Brandon Shell to protect your quarterback, your franchise quarterback's uh, blind side, you're probably in for a hurting. So, um, definitely a guy I would have rather brought back, especially for that short uh, little bit of money that they did end up getting
1: can I have one Isaiah, one moment for an Isaiah Wynn spin zone? Can, can I can I pitch you guys on something here? Yeah. So, yeah.
2: I thought you were going to tell me to pronounce his last name again, I was, or the Cedric O's last name again.
1: Big O, it's fine. So the Dolphins have a lefty quarterback, and the Patriots have a righty quarterback. So Isaiah Wynn was playing not on Mac Jones's blind side, right? He was playing where everything was right in front of him. I wonder – if, because he was playing on that right side, because Mac Jones could see it, he got less help. They thought it's more, it's harder to guard the guy who's at left tackle. So all of a sudden they decide, we're going to put the tight end on that side. We're going to double team that side.
2: So I think you're on the right track.
1: Yeah, help, help me out here. Help me out here. I'm cool leaving this in, all of it in. But it just seems like maybe that, that, that right side um, had less emphasis in New England, where in In Miami, it is Tua's blindside, that right tackle, where you're going to have maybe a tight end over there, or you're going to understand that it's always his blindside, so maybe there's a crunch. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at without the um, uh, seven-tweet thread.
0: No, and you might be right there. And I think a lot of Isaiah Wynn's problem in New England last year was that he got hurt early on and and tried to battle through some injuries. He was playing out of position. He's a natural left tackle. And when he played left tackle for the Patriots, he actually did a pretty decent job. And I'm inclined to think that he was brought in to be – Teron Armstead's backup while also competing for the left guard spot. I don't think Isaiah Wynn's going to play right tackle for the Miami Dolphins. I think they're banking on Austin Jackson playing that spot well. And then they're also banking on Cedric Ogbuehy being the backup for Austin Jackson and being the swing tackle overall. So I think they brought in a lot of guys that can play in a lot of different spots. Uh, even Dan Feeney, who's a left guard, can play that center position, and Liam Eichenberg is being cross-trained to play the center position uh, as well. If Connor Williams' his contract situation doesn't get worked out, I think the Dolphins value versatility along that offensive line. But and and that's probably where the answer lies. Why Brandon Shell wasn't brought in because he played so poorly at left tackle, and the only other spot that he can realistically play is that right tackle spot I think they wanted to get somebody or multiple people uh, on the roster who can play right tackle but then can also move to left guard or move to left tackle and at least play adequately which by all accounts at least in the one game that he played last year Brandon Shell did not play adequately at left tackle he was a turnstile all game long week five against the Jets.
2: Vers- versatility definitely has a lot to do with it, but you're speaking about turn style. I mean, that's what Isaiah Wynn put on tape at right tackle, right? I mean, he looked like sure he looked did. absolutely dreadful. So um, I think they're just throwing all these bodies, like all these darts against the board and hoping one sticks and they get their right tackle. But I definitely think Austin Jackson's the one that they want to take over that position.
1: It's going to be so interesting to watch this offensive line try to operate. Um, in the preseason, I think I'm going to be writing stories on the Finsider nearly every day about who's where. Um, I I'm, I'm so wish I could have seen what Liam Eikenberg looked at looked like at center. I, I don't know if that was just something because Connor Williams uh, jumped out, but, man, that looks so interesting to me. I think Brandon Shell's a great pick. I think we spent a lot of time last year raving about, hey, this guy's a pretty good right tackle. Let's give him some flowers. Joshua, who'd you pick?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, you guys kind of solved this for me. I mean, I really didn't have any other choice but to go with Mike Kosicki, right? I mean, he's probably arguably one of the biggest uh, pieces that the Dolphins lost this offseason, even if he didn't fit the scheme. Um, And I just have written down, who's going to step up in his place? I mean, Durham Smythe, Elijah Higgins, Tanner Connor, Eric Saubert, Tyler Croft. Again, it seems like that offensive line position where they're just throwing all these darts against the board and hoping that someone takes over those 52 targets that he had last year for 362 yards and five touchdowns. I go back to that Tua talking about Loa podcast that we did and think about him going up there and soaring up and coming down with that ball in the back of the end zone against Baltimore. I mean, he made some big plays, and we all got super stoked when he did that gritty, right? I mean, he was so bad at it. We were talking about – He's amazing ball, at it. You shut your mouth. Yeah, he's always well, much better <laughs> than I at we well, you know, were talking about how if the Dolphins win a Super Bowl, I think we'd staple a card, a uh, uh, Mike Kasicki card, to our head, and all do the gritty naked. I think that was what we said last uh, season during the Sounds podcast. Yeah, I would so, like to see that. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do it this year. But I mean, who's going to step up in his absence? Again, we talked about it on the last pod. It might be more of those receivers the third wide receivers that take ups on that role but no one's scared of Durham Smythe catching the football as of now right I mean I don't know that anybody's scared of any of these guys I keep saying Tanner is going to be that tight end because of a few tweets that we saw at last training camp so I'm intrigued to see who takes over for uh, Mike Kosicki who had his best season in 2021, um, where he was targeted 112 times, came down with 73 catches for 780 yards and two touchdowns. My biggest thing with him though, is he just never got any yak, right? I mean, he would make some plays over the middle. He would get that key first down if he needed it, but he would not pick up yak to save his life. I think I remember tweeting or someone said, he's kind of like Bambi when he has that football in his hand, he kind of just goes down right away on first contact and, Um, as soon as he was in the game, defenses knew exactly what was happening, right? They knew the Dolphins were probably going to throw the football because, again, he could not block to save his life. So I hate that he went to New England. I hate that he signed for, what, one year, $4.5 million? I mean – Every year, they get somebody from the Dolphins, Isaiah Ford, Lynn Bowden Jr., Malcolm Perry, and we sit here and say, oh, no. Well, okay, maybe you guys don't, but I sit here and say, oh, no, they're going to turn him in to be the next superstar, and it never happens. I do think with the offense that they run up there, with the lack of weapons the New England Patriots seem to have, I think Mike Kosicki could be very good, especially if they use him in that big slot role. So, um, again, I don't think we're sitting sit here and cry tears because we don't have Mike Gisicki and his 362 yards next year, but for the type of player he was, he was a fan favorite. I mean, I got behind him a lot. I I mean, I enjoyed watching him play, but again, there was just so much to his game that he could improve on, whether it was his drops last season, 5.8% on his targets, he was dropping passes. Um, I I just feel like the dolphins could have improved that tight end spot. I guess my biggest question is have they, and I don't think they have by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Well, Rome wasn't built in a day, so I don't think they're done at the tight end spot. Uh, at least during Mike McDaniel's ten- tenure, they're probably done for this year. They brought in Eric Saubert and Tyler Croft, and they, they re-signed Durham Smith. So, so I think they're done for this year, but you you could see them looking to upgrade that position. They were reportedly interested in Foster Moreau before he signed with the uh, New Orleans Saints, uh, and I do think that would have been an upgrade over Mike Kosicki, at least in the blocking department. I think he also is a is a quality pass catcher as well. Uh, so they they want to do more at the tight end spot. It just those those dominoes didn't uh, didn't fall into place this year. So uh, they'll go looking in the future and hopefully they'll be able to upgrade it. Or maybe I'm completely off base and maybe Mike McDaniel just doesn't care about about tight ends. Maybe he doesn't value tight ends at least the way that this current roster is constructed with Jalen Waddle, with Tyreek Hill, with even somebody like Robbie Chosen, who's another speedster. Uh, you know, maybe he just, he said, screw it. We don't need a tight end this year. We're just going to use these receivers. And and as long as we can get some blockers in here to open up this run game a little bit, that's what I want from my tight end position. I also agree with you, Josh, that I think Mike Gasicki is going to flourish in New England. Um, I think a lot of Dolphins fans are a little cocky in thinking that Gasicki will go to the Patriots and do nothing, kind of like he did for the Dolphins last year. And maybe not nothing. That's a, a bit of an exaggeration, but have a have another down year. The, the Patriots were always uh, the most successful when they had two quality tight ends in Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. And I think Mike Kosicki is going to play that Aaron Hernandez role, minus the murders, and, and is going to actually have a, a pretty solid season for the Patriots when it's all said and done. Will it lead to more victories for them? Let's hope not. But it doesn't mean we have to sit here and crap all over Mike Kosicki just because he had kind of a down year for the Dolphins last year.
1: Oh, dude, he's the team's golden retriever. I absolutely love this guy. Sorry, I thought Josh was going
2: to jump in. So does Josh's daughter. No, yeah, that was one of my daughters. I was just going to say we can definitely crap on him, though, now that he's in uh, New England, though. I mean, I I love the one he's in Miami, but as soon as you put on that Patriots jersey, we can crap on him. It's okay.
0: Yeah, well, once I see him in the jersey, I haven't seen anything on social media. Once I see him in the jersey, it's F Mike Kosicki all day.
1: All they're missing up in New England is Chan Gailey. And then, then they got that 2019 Miami Dolphins offense, baby, just ready to go. So this isn't something I looked up a bunch or, or looked at quite a bit, but you see how Mike Gesicki didn't fit. People don't call him a tight end. They call him a big receiver. And the second, the second they tried to get him in those timing slant routes, I can think of two plays off the top of my head. One, where his head wasn't turned yet. And two, where it bounced off his hands because it just isn't his type of offense. He needs to be able to go up, kind of do that, that that meme where it's someone just has all the calculations going through in front of their face and they're trying to jump and figure out the trajectory of the ball, that type of thing. That's where I think Mike Kosicki excels. The Miami Dolphins offense, and I'm not saying they don't throw straight down the field, but it feels like most of the time they're big plays. It's not when someone's running in a straight line. It's you get across the field where an open hole is and then you break up field. You guys said it best. He is a Bambi-esque runner. He couldn't really kind of stiff arm one defender off. He couldn't break tackles. And that was the huge difference. Because with a, t- or a tight end, excuse me, in this Miami Dolphins offense, there are going to be situations where he's up against uh, whoever tight end gets a uh, starting job. Smythe, Saubert, Croft, it doesn't really matter. They're going to get lined up against cornerbacks sometimes. They're going to be lined up against safeties. At least once in a while, they need to know how to break a tackle just stiff arm a dude in the face, push with the gun. I don't, I love Mike Kosicki. I think he's awesome. His highlight plays are awesome. I think any team can benefit from having a Mike Kosicki, but the price combined with the uh, mismatch in the, sk- in the uh, scheme and his inability to break tackles, it was just like an ugly fit. Everything was going against him. And you know, that's why I celebrated every time he had a big play, every time he had success, because you knew that with Tyree kill and Jillian Waddle getting like 50% of this offense, he wasn't going to be a huge part. And in the offense as a whole, they weren't going to make plays that like promised him success.
0: Yeah. Mike Gesicki excelled when the dolphins were a bad football team. When the dolphins became a good football team and had a good offense, suddenly he was a role player and Mike Gesicki wanted to get paid like a superstar and the dolphins weren't going to do that. So have fun in new England, enjoy those winters. I know he's up from your area, Josh, he went to Penn state and all that. So he should be used to it, but you know, don't let the door hit you on, on the ass on the way out.
2: We'll see you. And and that is one thing. He's back with Bill O'Brien now. I think he was the guy that recruited him at Penn State. So, I mean, they might have a way to unleash him in the offense. I guess the last thing right now, we're talking about tight ends. I mean, who do you guys see stepping up this season? I mean, I feel like it's Durham Smite's job. I mean, he can kind of do everything good. But we're talking about Mike Kosicki being that glorified big slot receiver. I mean, when you watch Elijah Higgins, I mean, he's not going to come in and translate right away. These tight ends never do that. But when you watch Elijah Higgins, I mean, he does a lot of the same things that Mike Isicki does, except for, you know, going down on first contact and things like that. So, I mean, I think long term, that could potentially be the guy that takes over from Mike Isiki. But um, I think you guys are both right that I just don't know that Mike McDaniel, from coming from uh, San Francisco, where we all said, oh, the tight end position is so important, this, that, and the other thing. I don't think he sees it that way, especially when you have two of the most explosive wide receivers the game has ever seen. I I said that. The game has ever seen. (laughs) Even
1: better. What if Mike McDaniel is finally a coach who just knows how to build a scheme based on his players? That to me is the most exciting part of this whole thing. Isn't that we're just not pigeonholing people, but actually understanding that Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, these guys are kind of good. Let's figure out ways, to build an offense around them. Cause I do think he understands the, the Shanahan concepts from Sam Fran. I think if they had an elite tight end, he wouldn't be sitting there, you know, staring at the wall like, man, how, how do we use this guy? I don't know. So, so I think that's a good point too.
0: Yeah. So who's you you said last point on tight ends? You said who steps up today. My son put uh, one of those like simulations on YouTube. I think it was Dolphins Raiders 2024 season, PS5, next gen, whatever, whatever, through three quarters. Durham Smythe had 12 receptions for over 100 yards. Yes! I, like,
2: I looked that's amazing. At the TV and I was like, what the hell is this? He changed, he changed those attributes. There's no way that's Durham Smythe. No I, I was like, what is, what is this crap? This is the
0: most unrealistic thing I've ever seen. I told my kid, I said, if if this actually does happen, I will buy you a PS5 for for the next uh, for, for next season. So that, that's wild.
1: Yeah, Josh, you asked though who's gonna start. I'm I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you three predictions right right off the cuff. Durham Smythe will play the most snaps. Eric Saubert will be the guy we talk about the most. Tyler Croft, I think he'll be on the practice squad.
2: Oh. Tanner oh. Connor. We can't forget Tanner Connor. He's a wild card, out there. <laughs> dude. I can see
1: him being the once in a while Mike Gasicki just run a, a streak down the field and see if you can beat a linebacker. I definitely see that.
2: You pick Saubert because he has tattoos though, right? Is that the main reason?
1: Only on one arm. That's exactly why.
2: I think Tua has a sleeve now too, right? I mean, I don't want to get too taken back here, but I'm pretty sure Tua has an arm sleeve, so I can't wait to see that.
0: We've seen the rumors.
1: Switch. Looking at the defensive end of the football, I didn't want to be like you knuckleheads. I didn't want to pick offensive guys. I picked Alandon Roberts. I think we are underrating what Alandon Roberts meant to this defense. Not only did he tackle a dude through another dude, a dude who ended up becoming a member of the Miami Dolphins. And that was pretty awkward. Um, but this was like Brian Flores on the field. I know, uh, you know, sitting here now we're saying like, we hate Brian Flores, you know, e- everything was miserable under him. Dude knew what he was talking about when it came to defense. He was an absolute stud of a defensive coordinator. And I just thought Elandon Landon Roberts was, had that same energy. This is someone who played 17 games in two straight seasons He had a career-high 95 tackles last year, 77 in 2021. The thing that interests me most about Alandon Roberts, and you can even include Jerome Baker in this conversation, Alandon Roberts, I believe his previous career high in sacks was two. He doubled that. He was at 4.5 last year. This is a defense that really thrived when they had blitzing middle linebackers. You look at Jerome Baker, you look at Alandon Roberts, you go on PFF, they were two of the best pass-rushing linebackers in the entire NFL. Now, I don't think he'll have to do that. He'd have to do that in Vic Fangio's defense. But I think we're even underrating the flexibility that Alandon Roberts can have. In 2021, he was used in coverage quite a bit. He had three passes defended. He also had a lone, his lone career interception for a pick six. Gentlemen, Derek, you better stop typing right now. I see you. Who was that pick six against? Do you guys remember?
2: 2021? No idea. I was going to say, gonna say Herbert, but I don't even think they played the, the 82 Chargers yard
1: pick six by Landon Roberts.
2: This is not real.
1: <laughs> I'm going to guess you just made that up.
0: Maybe the you Raiders? were on a YouTube simulation.
1: <laughs> it was right after <laughs> Durham Smith caught his third touchdown. <laughs> No, he, against the Raiders. I don't know why this skipped my mind. In 2021, pick six against their That It was like early October, I think it was. I have
2: zero recollection It was of the that. Fitzman? I, I don't either, and I bet if you go to my uh, Twitter, I probably have the video on there too.
1: <laughs> but I think that kind of speaks to the point of I, – I think we might have undervalued what Alandon and Roberts meant. This dude was so much fun on this defense. He was that guy in the huddle where I think if things were going wrong, he's someone you could look at as an eight-year vet and say – Everything's okay. We'll figure it out. Now we look at, okay, what are the dolphins going to do different? We've seen the signings, David Long jr. We've seen the depth in terms of, Hey, Andrew Van Ginkle, can you play linebacker? But this is going to be kind of a weird take because I think the addition of Jalen Ramsey kind of covers up for Elandon Roberts. Not only is it, you know, including someone physical in the box, but I think just adding that veteran, I, I wondered how the dolphins could have replaced Landon Roberts as just that base of the defense. X hasn't always been the biggest talker, even though he is the best player on the defense. Christian Wilkins talks a bunch after the ball is snapped. I don't know if he does before, but Landon Roberts just seemed like that dude that captained the defense bringing in Jalen Ramsey an all pro vet, I think it kind of negates the idea of um, we're losing that veteran presence, but I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on now that you knew that Landon Roberts caught a pick six. I'd like to get your thoughts on on what you think the dolphins are doing to replace Roberts and, and maybe where they might've missed. So, uh,
0: you know, David Long's in here. He's already battling a hamstring injury, which means that's probably going to linger. Those soft tissue issues, those linger, uh, and they rear their ugly heads throughout the season. I like the idea of Andrew Van Ginkle transitioning to this inside linebacker role because I like the idea of Andrew Van Ginkle on the field more. It always felt like whenever Andrew Van Ginkle got his snaps, he made something happen. There was always, there was always uh, uh a big sack or a big turnover, a forced fumble, you know, uh, something like that, you know, even, even touchdowns in, in his past here. I like the idea of Andrew Van Ginkle on the field more. I like the idea of him as a cerebral guy playing under Vic Fangio. And I think he'll be able to fill that role adequately uh, and maybe even excel in that role uh, again, under Vic Fangio. If David Long jr. Misses time with that hamstring injury.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I'm I think Landon Roberts losing him, it, it does hurt more than you know a lot of us fans might think. I think he got a two-year deal worth seven million dollars. He's with the Steelers now, correct? Am, am I wrong with that? Tackles it's so the-
1: great because he's hears all this stuff about oh, I hear this franchise is amazing. I will bet every dollar I've ever had in my life that Brian Flores said all that stuff. There's no oh. no doubt in my mind.
2: Oh, Sorry, for sure. Josh. No, no, you're good. And I I do think the David Long Jr., I mean, when I watched a tape of him at Tennessee, you know, when he's healthy, he he can come down and be playing the run game, maybe not that huge hitter like Alandon Roberts is, because I think that's what we all remember him by, right? Filling those holes and just absolutely annihilating running backs and ball carriers and things like that. And um, it's nice you brought up that he was decent in pass coverage, because I was going to say that David Long Jr. was a pretty significant upgrade, but um, none of that matters, right? If David Long Jr. is not on the field, and I think that's. What makes me feel, I'm going to say, a little queasy right now is the fact that heading into the year, I think heading into last year, you know, it's always been a linebacker position at defense. And you bring back some of these guys, Duke Riley, Andrew Van Ginkle, you know, a couple other guys. Then you let Atlanta Roberts go, a guy that has proven that he can be that run stuffer, can do a little bit of things in coverage, be that. Um, You don't want to say, I guess, captain on the field. You mentioned Brian Flores, that type of presence in the middle of that field. So I I do not like that he is gone, and I do wonder who's going to step in. I think David Long Jr. would obviously be that guy if he's healthy. I have Aubrey Miller written down, the undrafted unicorn from Jackson State, guy that can do a lot of those things too, tackle dudes into dudes, is physical, but he's an acorn. You know, if he makes the roster, he's probably on the practice squad, right? Channing Tindall, he can't spy worth a darn. And we've heard that, you know, he might be seeing his, you know, Days numbered in Miami. And, um, you know, Andrew Van Ginkle is also that guy that, like Merrick said, could probably and should step into that role because when he is on the field, he plays with his hair on fire just like Landon Roberts did. So I don't like that Landon Roberts is gone at all. I have written down Ruben Foster, too, right? I mean, we always talk about him. there in my DMs talking crap. I mean, Ruben Foster would kind of be that guy that could be that presence in the run game do a little bit in coverage, be that thumper. But yeah, I think we're overlooking Alandon Roberts being gone. And I just want to see someone step up because year after year, we're talking about this linebacker corpse and how they can get better. And I don't know that they did it, especially if David Long Jr. is not healthy.
1: So going through this list of players, I'm curious, you know, we went, looked at some offensive guys. We looked at some defensive guys. Is there anyone we missed? The first one that jumps out to me, Eric Rowe, the tight end eraser. I, I think I even let this podcast down by not mentioning Eric Rowe to this point. Another flexible, talented player in that secondary, a veteran, a leader. Guys, how do you replace maybe this, this situation where the Dolphins often used three safeties as kind of a, a pseudo linebacker?
0: Jalen Ramsey. Fair. Jalen Ramsey is your new tight end eraser with the emergence of Cater Kohu as, as a stout cornerback. I think those guys are interchangeable, at least in the nickel and the boundary. Uh, I don't think we're going to miss Eric Rowe uh, as much as as maybe you do or maybe some people do. I think Jalen Ramsey does a lot of the things that Eric Rowe does, but he does them a lot better than Rowe did. Um, I think Rowe was a good player for the Dolphins, but I'm I'm, I'm not going to think twice about him uh, after this podcast is done, more likely than not.
2: Yeah, I kind of... Forgot we lost him, and I, I am. I kind of liked Eric Rowe a lot when he was with the Dolphins. I have plenty of clips and cut ups, you know, t- taking on cu- Eric Rowe versus Zach Ertz, you know, different guys where he did go out there and erase those tight ends. And Merrick said Jalen Rams is going to step up into that role. We just better hope it's not one of those elite um, tight ends because I still have that image and that clip that's going around with Travis Kelsey uh, sending. Jalen Ramsey straight to the shadow realm. So Mm -hmm. I think we will might, I think we maybe will miss uh, Eric Rowe a little bit more than we thought. I think he's with the Carolina Panthers now. So wish him the best of luck. And I do think in Vic Fangio's defense, it needs a bunch of guys at safety. I mean, having him back there would have definitely eased my um, concern. You know, we need Brandon Jones to come back healthy. Brandon Jones is back healthy. I think that can help with the Atlanta Roberts situation, the Eric Rowe situation. He can help this defense so much, but um, yeah, I miss Eric Rowe personally, and I wish him the best of luck with the Carolina Panthers. Here's a guy. Here's a guy. Thomas Morstead. All Thomas right,
0: Morstead. Uh, let's talk about how important he was in that victory against the Buffalo Bills in week three last year. Bump you punts. know, the Dolphins The Dolphins can't get out of their own end zone. They run uh, They run Raheem Mostert. It's like first, first and ten from their own one-yard line. They run Raheem Mostert for no gain. They sneak Tua tonga Bailoa for no gain. That burns all the timeouts for the Buffalo Bills. And then inexplicably, instead of running the ball again to burn some more clock, Mike McDaniel runs a play-action pass that Von Miller sniffs out immediately, almost sacks Tua in the end zone for a safety. Tua tries to dump it off to Mostert, can't get it to him, ball's incomplete, stops the clock with like a minute 39. said is forced to punt from his own end zone with only 10 yards of space when there's normally 15. We get the infamous butt punt right into Trent Shurfield's backside that does get the safety, but then Thomas Morstead's kickoff, which is essentially a punt after the safety, and not essentially, it is a punt after the safety, Thomas Morstead's kickoff all the way back to the Buffalo Bills like seven-yard line, and then the Dolphins tackle him before he even reaches the 25. If that kick doesn't happen and that punt after the safety isn't as long as it is. I mean, he kicked the ball like 71, 72 yards in that scenario. If that doesn't happen, the Bills absolutely get within field goal range, and Tyler Bass probably kicks the game winner, and the Bills probably win that game in Miami by one point, and the Dolphins go 0-3 against the Bills that season, or they miss the playoffs entirely. I think Thomas Morstead was a great punter for the Dolphins last year, and I'm not sure
1: Jake Bailey's going to be that guy. So Morstead was awesome, right? I think he followed Josh. He retweeted a bunch of stuff Josh did. If you go look at his numbers, man, he was, he, he is not the Thomas Morstead that was on the Saints. He was great. It was really fun. The game where he just kind of sat on the sidelines on the bench and just kind of hold his arms together the whole time. Cause I don't think the dolphins punted in that game. I think, I, I think I've I think seen enough Thomas said in Miami. I'm going to be completely honest. I get that. The 71-yard punt was awesome. He was great at the coffin corners, too. I will give him yes. his flowers. Yeah. He knew that. But the second the Dolphins were punting the ball from their side of the field, I didn't think that he really lived up to what you wanted out of a punter. And who knew I'd be saying that what we expectations for a punter. But the only reason I think I like where the Dolphins are, I think Jake Bailey has something he wants to prove after that New England fiasco about the injuries and things like that. And worst case scenario, since Morstead is with the New York Jets now, worst case scenario, at least we have the the son of a former Dolphins punter out there just kind of waiting for his opportunity.
2: And
0: we'll always have the butt punt.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was going to say what Jake said. I just picture him on the sideline sleeping and I can't say anything bad about Thomas Morstead. Cause even though he's a jet, he still follows me, but he, I think he started after I posted that picture of him as the, uh, SpongeBob with the huge muscles. I was like, there's Thomas Morstead. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think they might've upgraded at punter. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and I think they might've upgraded at punter. Like I, I don't, I don't know shit about special teams. Um, <laughs> since we're talking about guys we might miss, can we throw Trent Shurfield out there? I mean, I know they brought in some receivers they brought in, Uh, Robbie Chosen, who I'm going to hype up to be the next Randy Moss. He has kind of that hair, the Cynthia Pickles hair. Braxton Berrios. I mean, they brought in some receivers that are probably better than Trent Shurfield, but I think what he did in um, the run blocking and things like that, you know, downfield is definitely going to be missed. But um, I really couldn't think of anybody else, so I had to throw Trent Shurfield out (laughs) there because
1: you helped me transition that with the ass punt. Two quick questions. One, has Michael Dieter signed with a new team?
2: I think Michael Dieter...
1: Dieter, Dieter, pumpkin, eater. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't, I don't. John Jenkins. Did he? Because I miss him. Michael Dieter is a member of the Houston Texans. But Merrick, you made an interesting point because we were talking about the difference between seven mil and four mil in the DMS when talking about Delvin Cook. You see someone like John Jenkins sign with the Raiders. That that's your backup tackle. You know that that's the price range exactly you're looking for. Should we be concerned there, or do we feel that maybe some more acorns will pop up? Maybe you're just using um. um Uh, Raekwon Davis more or situations like that do the Dolphins really need a backup defensive tackle since they had one right on their plate in big John Jenkins and and just decide to go against it
0: I I think they will get somebody I think you'll look for when other teams you know make their cuts you see if maybe somebody shakes loose and I think it's going to be whoever the hell Vic Fangio wants I think they gave Vic Fangio uh, the keys to the Lamborghini uh, on defense and they said dude this is all you who do you want? We'll make it happen. I think he was, you know, I think he's going to be, he's going to handpick his, his backup defensive tackle. So whoever Vifangio wants, I think we're going to get that fella. Maybe some Akeem Hicks in Miami this upcoming season.
2: I like that, and i would be good. I know we t- talked about before. I know people have talked about before. Nadam Su, bringing him back to step on some players, smash some heads, things like that. I should have said John Jenkins. I had so many tweets. I had to look up how to spell John Jenkins, Jingleheimer, Smith, every time I tweet that out. But, you know, <laughs> he was that nice uh, depth piece of defensive tackle, made some plays in the backfield. So um, it does make you wonder why they let him go, but I think they will bring a veteran defensive tackle. And, um, yeah, I think the Dolphins overall, though, they got better this season, did they not?
1: Final word. Do either of you guys have a final word? I have one, but I want to let you guys go first.
2: Yeah, I got a final word. Muck. (laughs) Muck.
1: My final word is nobody's gonna miss Teddy Bridgewater. Fact. No, no. That is it. Hey guys, that is all the time we have. We have breached that hour mark. So thank you guys all so much for listening to another Dolphins podcast. If you're just joining the show, we do things a little differently around here. The top thing, every time a new episode is released. At the top of your feed, you will see an entire episode of another Dolphins podcast. Right beneath that, we call that the third clip. That third clip, that is a unique clip that is not included in the podcast. So if you have 10 minutes, if you know you had Taco Bell for lunch and you're going to spend 15 minutes on the toilet, how about you hang with us during that? That is what we offer with that third clip. So guys, give us your I'd love to hear feedback on that third clip where it's a little smaller, the scope is a little smaller, but we're still trying to have a fun time. And I don't do this often, so I'm going to do it here. If you haven't, please, please, please hit that subscribe button. Leave a review. Those reviews help so much. They help other people find the show. We read them. Every single type of feedback we get, we take into consideration as we try to make the show better. But that is it. That is another Dolphins podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. Merrick, Josh, it was great to hang out with you guys. And most importantly, until next time, fins up.
0: Fins up. Fins up. Und so.